Hey, welcome back to another version episode of This Week in Finance, a podcast by Financial Friends and hosted by me, Brendan. Thank you for joining us again this week. We have some exciting news to go over. We're going to be touching on March Madness, Starbucks, electric vehicles, a little bit about the government and the kind of broader economy, a lot of things going on with the Fed and the rate hike, streaming, Warren Buffett, and inflation. So if you're excited for this episode, definitely stick around. We're going to be touching on all of those things. I'm a little less scripted this time. Don't have, uh, I normally don't carry a, a big script, but I kind of have some bullet points, some outlines, really going off the dome this time. Um, but one thing is the same as I have my water, and we are going to discuss this week's news. Um, Evian Water, if you want to sponsor me, everyone go on Twitter. If you have Twitter or Instagram or whatever it is, go and tag Evian, say that they should sponsor Financial Friends. It's never going to happen, but I'd love to you know, speak it into existence. I always used to buy more expensive things when I was younger. I've been watching the Water Sommelier or Sommelier or whatever his name is. No disrespect. I love the gentleman. I forget what his first name is, but um, he's been talking about water. I've been trying out different waters. I really like this water. I, I can kind of taste differences. Hopefully that doesn't sound too bougie to anybody, but without further ado, let's just go ahead and hop right on into the news. So starting off with March Madness, NCAA's March Madness is returning pretty much to normal. And two very exciting things, they're finally going to be using the March Madness brand and really backing the women's tournament. Um, I think that's fantastic, not only for, obviously, you know, the girls who deserve, you know, that spotlight and that shine, um, very, very talented basketball players, but you also have Disney with ABC and ESPN jumping on that women's tournament and you also have CBS and Turner Sports jumping on the men's tournament. So ad slots for both tournaments are sold out. Massive, massive advertising opportunity. They're assuming, again, last year attracted 16.9 million viewers for that final uh, national championship game. Maybe see 20 million this year. Um, demand, I think, was down a little bit last year. But overall, I mean, March Madness, their advertisers... They just draw so much attention. I mean, for basically a month straight, right? Just basketball, basketball, basketball over again. I mean, this is the absolute pinnacle, obviously, like the Super Bowl of March Madness, but, or I'm sorry, of basketball, of college basketball. But I feel it's very interesting to point out that as opposed to, let's say, the Super Bowl, where everyone's eyes are on one screen at one time, you have opportunities here to hit different markets, different people. The first round, for many people, that 16 versus 1 seed is just as exciting as the last game. So to be able to watch this and kind of advertise through um, this progression, progression rather, hitting different markets, hitting different teams, hitting different time slots, I feel like that's very, very interesting you can see some of the estimates here for ad spend on the 2021 was about $1.5 billion, um, over a 20% gain from 2019. AT&T was the top spender. They spent $74 million on advertisements, Capital One spending just about $50 million, and then Geico, Buick, and Progressive following. I find it very interesting that, again, less talked about than the Super Bowl, less talked about than maybe like the Olympics and some other big advertiser moments, the NCAA March Madness bringing some heat for advertisers. 
Moving forward, a little play on the whole um, March Madness sort of thing. You have Morning Brew here kind of putting their own spin on it and using big brands. So it looks like my screen here is frozen. However, you get the gist, right? Um, March Madness with brands. You have Google and Apple making the final eight, Netflix and Chick-fil-A also making that top eight, Tesla and Ferrari making the top eight, and Costco and Target. If you head over to Morning Brew, you can see the full breakdown, the full list of every single company, obviously starting with 64 different companies. Um, really, really, really interesting. You can see they've broken it down from titans, you know, so big players, big brands, uh, disruptors, people that have came in and just disrupted the space, upgrades, you know, getting that little premium flex and then workaholics, just the big, you know, staple companies, a lot of grocery stores, um, obviously Costco and Target, one and two seed making the final uh, eight there. So definitely go ahead and check it out. And if you're not following Financial Friends on Twitter, you can obviously see that's broken down right here. Go ahead, toss us a follow on Twitter. That would be greatly appreciated. And moving on to Starbucks, a company that I've talked a lot about with Financial Friends. Um, I invest $5. Every single time I am at Starbucks or every time I get a drink from there, rather, and their CEO is changing. Mr. Howard Schultz, a longtime leader and one of the people who in the whole Starbucks community um, and in regard to you know CEOs was a success story. Came in, helped the company out off of some tough, tough times. He left and the gentleman, Kevin Johnson, took over. And he is now stepping down, leading way for Mr. Schultz to come back in. A lot of people think this could be a very good thing for Starbucks. A lot of people saying that he's bringing success. A lot of people stating that they don't think he's going to just stick around for interim, you know, a couple months, whatever. They feel he might be in this position 2022, 2023, 2024, potentially a long time. A lot of people are very excited for this gentleman to step in. Hope that he sticks and hope that he can help this business turn around um, down 22% so far in 2020 versus the 11% that the S&P is down. So the company, oh, I'm sorry, 29% rather versus the 11% loss for the S&P. So, um, you know, not necessarily performing. I personally, I know I like to give my spin on some of these. I am building my position in Starbucks for the long term. I think that coffee, their in-store coffee, their drinkable coffees, like ready-to-drink versions, um, are staples in both hotels as well as in grocery stores, bagged coffee, creamers, etc. Those are brands, a brand that people trust. They're going to continue to consume that brand at home. Um, so I'm in it for the long run. I'm also playing that little game with myself. Every time I go, most of the time I have gift cards, it's going to be $5. I'm investing it into Starbucks and I've built up a pretty nice position, like I think $150, $160 position. And I'm just going to ride it out. Every time I go, $5 goes in. I build that position up. It pays me dividends and hopefully it covers my coffees at some point. I'm not a huge consumer of Starbucks. Like I said, 160 times divided by five is roughly the amount of times I've been there in like the last year and a half, um, mostly with my girlfriend, shout out to Madeline. And, um, you know, most of the time it's like a treat, whatever it might be. I make a cup of coffee every single morning at home, sometimes using Starbucks beans though. So user and supporter of the business, obviously the whole personal finance community might attack me for spending $5 on a cup of coffee, but you know what? I'm drinking expensive water too. So it is what it is, right? This is why we pay attention to our finances so that when we find things we like, we can purchase them. Moving forward, Starbucks still um, a main player in this 
our main, I guess, story in this week in finance. Sorry, make the screen bigger there. They unveiled a plan to eliminate single-use cups and encourage reusable mugs. This is big. Single-use cups account for 20% of the global waste for Starbucks. It's been a struggle to switch over to you know some form of reusable thing, and I think it's still a struggle. They have announced, though, that they're looking to push forward. They're looking to make sure that they can get rid of those. I'm going to be very curious to see what they decide. I saw that they were testing some forms of putting like a dollar deposit down, getting the cup, and then getting that deposit back when you return. I've seen um, just reusable cups that you're just supposed to bring back and they wash them. Uh, I've seen all types of things. A cup where you know you bring it in and they just fill it up and it's just your cup all the time. I'm not sure how they're gonna work this. I am not sure how they're going to manage the lines and the new system of it all. I was talking with my mom about this and she seemed to be very concerned that lines which are already long, mind you, could become even longer with the added time that it takes for someone to pull up to the very front window and instead of their you know, drink being ready, instead they're handing a cup off that has to be filled and the drink prepared in and given back. My assumption would be something like drinks could be made ready to go, poured into the cup, any additional milk or creamer or sugar or anything being added with cream could be kind of added after the fact and then it would be pushed right out to the customer. That could help. My guess is Starbucks is not going to do anything that's going to hurt profitability or the chances of that profitability, aka they don't want to slow the line down. Um, So prices will either be affected, the methodology, the way that everything works will be affected, or they will streamline some new process. Prices will stay the same and everything will be just fine. But they run through about 7 billion disposable cups a year that's a lot of cups. That's a lot of cups. This has been a company that has pushed this environmentally friendly message. They got rid of straws a while back. Um, So they're continuing to push, continuing to make sure that they are, you know, a positive impact on the environment. And we will see how this plays out over the long term. Again, I don't think this business is going to do anything that's going to hurt profitability. And we'll see if Mr. Howard Schultz can help this process happen. I don't think anything major will be happening till about 2025. So they have a little bit of a runway to figure and sort things out. Starbucks staying in the news, this time shifting more towards EV. Starbucks and Volvo have launched a pilot EV charging network. So Volvo cars and Starbucks are partnering on a pilot program to research and potentially scale electric vehicle chargers at these stores. Volvo is going to be installing about 60 of these um, over a big route. So from Seattle to Denver, we will see how this works. Partnering with Volvo, it's not a huge business, so to speak. Um, Nothing like Tesla, but I don't think Tesla needs to lean on Starbucks for anything like this. Volvo clearly does. Again, these are going to be charge point chargers. So these will be, you know, compatible with a lot of vehicles, the main charger, I'm sure, of a good chunk of vehicles. I'm not super familiar with the EV space um, in terms of actually charging the cars, but we will see. We'll see how this all plays out. This is a positive step forward for the electric vehicle space as a whole. The one thing limiting that space, at least for people that I've talked to, is you could fill up a gas car, although those prices are high at the moment. You could fill up a gas car and drive across the country, stopping you know a couple of times for whatever to refuel, 
especially if you have a fuel efficient vehicle or one with a large tank, you can't necessarily do that with an electric vehicle. Um, running out of charge is a big issue because, you know, AC, heat, heated seats, power steering, all these things, everything is pulling from the battery. Um, if you're not as aerodynamic, you're going to be losing, right, some of that charge. And so if you run out of gas in the middle of the road, unless you have a big, massive battery in the back of your car to charge it with, um, at the moment, there's not a whole lot of infrastructure to support that. There isn't really with a gas vehicle. However, you could, you know, pay someone, stop someone on the side of the road. Hey, can you pull off to the nearest gas station? Give me a gallon of gas to get to that gas station. Or you could just walk. If you're on a highway, kind of walk up the side. Maybe there's a gas station over, you know, up, whatever it is, right? You'd be able to kind of figure something out a little bit easier because the infrastructure is built in. So this big, long road trip sort of issue is the one that's really standing in the way of electric vehicles, as well as obviously the power grid and making sure that our power grid here in the United States can support so many people charging their cars. Do I think this will happen? Yes. I think eventually all vehicles will be electric, at least hybrid in the near future. So uh, we're moving that direction. Big companies, big legacy companies for GM, they're open and adapting to the idea of electric vehicles. This will happen inevitably and at some point, but for now, it's a matter of can we build infrastructure enough to support people who do want to use these vehicles and entice people to use these vehicles in the future. Volkswagen jumping on that bandwagon as well, unveiling their new electric buzz. I think this thing looks pretty weird. I'm not going to lie. Um, if you're not viewing this episode on YouTube, come hop over to YouTube and search this video and, and look at this car. Um, the German automaker announced this past Wednesday and unveiled an electric vehicle for the 21st century descendant of the T1 Micro. I've never even heard of this thing before. It's a five passenger version followed by a larger one in the United States in 2024. I mean, look at that thing. It's pretty it's pretty beefy. I mean, it, the interior looks absolutely amazing. Um, one thing that I have noted for all different electric vehicles is obviously they're enticing people, giving it this futuristic look. My issue is with the price point. We've talked about before, a lot of these vehicles are priced at a premium price point. Not every vehicle can be premium. I don't think it mentions the price of this vehicle at the moment. I'll be interested to see what that price is because again, if we're trying to entice people to get into these electric vehicles to help save and reduce use of fossil fuels, it needs to make sense economically and financially for people or else they will never make the jump. A lot of these effects and things with the environment are not going to happen in certain people's lifetimes and so why would they do something unless there's a perk to them? That perk needs to be financial. And this is not financially friendly. Tesla is hiking the prices of cars in the US and China due to inflation. I mean, there's there's really no way around this. There's no way that this company or any business can avoid raising prices, especially we're going to talk a little bit later about inflation and what some like consumer good companies are doing. Um, and Tesla cannot do that. So stick around to find out what that is. But um, yeah. So Tesla did not necessarily give a reason. Prices of everything are rising. Inflation is happening. The value of this business's cash is going down. So like we can see here, a key material such as nickel, prices are going up, right? The, the way that this business 
generates money is by selling products. If that product gets more expensive, the vehicle, they have to raise prices. They have to raise prices to keep profit margin, to keep investors happy, to keep the business flowing. And so that is exactly what has happened. Um, Mr. Elon Musk warns of the inflation and prices rise. Maserati, we talked about Volkswagen. Now Maserati is stepping into the electric vehicle space as well. This is the, I think, last story on electric vehicles. So I will try and get through it pretty quickly. But they announced that a whole lineup of vehicles will be 100% electric, um, offering an electric version for basically it's, like I said, it's whole lineup um, and featuring a new Gran Turismo of 1200 horsepower vehicle. Look at this thing. Look at this thing. Crazy. Very futuristic looking. I think it looks pretty cool. Um, Maserati CEO did mention the business is looking to go 100% EV by 2030. Lofty goal. I will say lofty goal. I, I'm not 100% sure that things like this are going to continue to roll as fast as we think. There's going to be hiccups. There's going to be bumps in the road. Um, and really, again, it's all about building out infrastructure. If we can build out infrastructure for this, if we can make it cheaper and more effective for people to switch to electric vehicles, this will happen instantly. This change is not is not big for people. They got to stop and you know fill up their car right now with gas. What's the difference if they could charge it at home or charge it on the road? There just needs to be the infrastructure for people to be able to do it, and it will start to happen. Vehicles looks absolutely amazing. I'm very very excited for it. Um, its current models range from again seventy eight thousand to two hundred thousand dollars. Where will that EV vehicle fall? Where will all of the EV vehicles fall? If they don't fall within that range, if they tend to be a little bit more pricey than their models now, there's no incentive. So there needs to be a financial incentive. That's a reoccurring theme. It's something that's very important, um, obviously, for consumers. So we will see if that can happen. Switching over to Mr. Joe Biden, he signed a government funding bill. This will not only help send $13.6 billion worth of aid to Ukraine, who, again, my heart goes out to everybody. This is still a running story, a live story. Not so much news regards to companies. Obviously, a lot of companies, what we talked about last week, pulling support or pulling business from Russia, but not too much update there. This will keep the business or the government, rather, running through excuse me, through, um, I'm blanking on the month. It says here, Washington approves this plan. It'll keep the, the, the government running. There we go. Through September 30th with enough federal spun or federal spending. But obviously this will have to be again, revisited, just continuously kicked down the can. I don't know why, but obviously as I'm kind of coming of age, I'm 20 years old at the moment. I can't remember them kicking the can down the road like this for, you know, from time I was like 16, 17 years old till now. Uh, but I guess it's been happening at least since I've been 19 and 20 years old. So uh, they continue to kick the can down the road on that. But sending money to Ukraine is a good thing. There was no funding for this bill for the COVID issues. Um, there are some developments in foreign countries at the moment in regard to the illness and to, you know, COVID and the pandemic. I will be interested to see if that starts to make its way here to the United States and what will happen because that federal funding was not tucked into the plan. We will have to see as it continues to develop. Obviously, we're sending armored drones. 
or we're at least providing funding and potentially providing armored drones, S-300 missiles, and fighter jets. Um, it's an ongoing situation over in Ukraine. Again, my heart's go out to everybody, but $13.6 billion worth of support is headed that direction. Moving into streaming, HBO Max and Discovery, we talked about that merger. I did mention I would be very curious to see if they were going to be bundled all up into one pack, and it looks like they will. People are suspecting that the two services will be bundled, similar to Disney+, Plus, Hulu, and ESPN+, Plus, until they can formally be combined. They are looking at offering, or currently offering, HBO Max has a $9.99 a month with ads, $15.99 a month without ads. We talked again last week about Disney Plus adding that ad version, which I think is a beneficial thing to their business and their business model. Streaming again, we're going to talk about it a lot. It's one of those businesses where you have to be priced right. There has to be a reason that people should support your streaming service over another um, simply because there is a ton of competition in the space. Speaking of that competition, Amazon closes a deal to buy MGM Movie Studio. Yeah, yeah. This is a very, very big deal. Its decision comes to a close um, after a deadline is passed for the U.S. Federal Trade Commission to challenge the deal. MGM offers 4,000 different film titles and will more than likely be rolled up into Amazon. Amazon continues to grow in numbers, in strength, in effect, in pure power to a consumer. So much value tucked into that $140 a year Amazon subscription, Amazon Prime subscription, that it is absolutely insane. It continues to be one of the best and one of the easiest decisions for so many people who shop via Amazon. Grab that pass. The shipping will pay for itself. Not to mention you get all of this streaming capability and all of these other features all rolled into one price tag. A very, very good acquisition for Amazon. $8.5 billion deal. Amazon continues to grow, continues to build in size, um, and I continue to invest in the business. Speaking of trying to get value, Netflix will be cracking down on password sharing. We all, we've all done it. We've all lost our subscription, forgot to pay, forgot to have the funds, forgot to cancel, whatever it might be, and so we end up having to cancel and we grab someone else's Netflix. We get onto their account. We ask them for their password. We sign on. We pretend our pictures, the settings, we just use theirs so they don't know we're on it. All these crazy things. And now Amazon, uh, they know. They know. And I mean, come on. They have. They had to have known this whole entire time. You know, They're not stupid. However, they will be adding a charge. So they're currently testing an additional 2 to $3 charge for subscribers who share outside of their household. How exactly that is going to happen? My guess would be that they can see where the, you know, obviously the account is being accessed from and if they find it's being accessed outside of your home address or your IP address or whatever it might be, um, there's going to be that 2 to $3 charge or you could probably just pay for that, have it built in. And there you go. You'd be able to do it. Or it might block you outside. You know, whatever type of way they go about this. But it's 
cutting into their profitability. They say it's cutting into their ability to provide consumers with good quality movies and TV shows. So that's why they're going to make this change and start to crack down on it and either offer an additional charge so people can do this and it makes sense for the business to you know generate more revenue or they're probably going to just be pow, pow, pow laying out charges or fees left and right, or like I said, simply blocking people who are not inside of the household from accessing an account that is not in their household. So Netflix and you people out there sharing passwords, keep at it for now, but eventually it's going to come to a close. Oil. Over the last five days, really over the last um, month, you could see a big, massive mountain here, but in specific, over the past five days, we were up at $108. We dipped back down. Things were looking good. We dipped back down even further, and we stayed at this level for a good chunk, and today we have risen from the ashes and are back up to about $104, up about 9% at the time of looking at this. This was that you know that big spike here. How will this affect gas prices moving forward. I mean, clearly, at least where I'm at in Michigan, um, we were about $4.09, up to about $4.25, and it's kind of been coming a little bit down, you know, around that $4.09 mark. Um, My guess is it will stick in this $4 range. Um, If prices continue to stay the same, I'm not sure as the war continues to drag on how that will continue to affect the price of oil. But I know one gentleman who is benefiting from it a lot, that is Mr. Warren Buffett, continues to buy Occidental shares in oil or petroleum rather, um, massive business. He continues to gobble up shares and this gentleman just is a, he's a legend. He is a legend. Um, At Wednesday's, excuse me, close of $52.99, they had almost a billion dollars worth of shares, bringing the total, I'm sorry, purchased another billion dollar of shares, bringing the total to $7 billion worth of shares. Warren Buffett continues to just scoop up shares and um, Berkshire Hathaway is benefiting because of it, roaring up to $500,000. So if you're not familiar, Berkshire has two types of shares. They have their A shares, and their B shares. Their A shares um, are something that Mr. Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway have said will not be split. So they are going to keep the share price as is, and they're not going to break off into smaller shares. The reason for that is he believes that this incentivizes the long-term holding capability. If people are buying whole shares, what this does is if you can only buy and sell in whole shares, which many of us today know is not generally the case. We all have fractional purchasing and selling capabilities now with apps like Public Webull, Robinhood, uh, The Lot, basically, Fidelity. But when you did have to buy these full shares, Mr. Warren Buffett said this incentivized that long-term holding because imagine if you had to sell one share of Berkshire Hathaway. You just wanted to cut your position by one share. Be half a million dollar share to sell. And I don't know too many people that own that would be owning multiple shares of Berkshire Hathaway. Let's say, for example, that back when the stock was uh, $257,000, you felt that it was more affordable for you and you bought a share. Would you be willing to liquidate and have to take on taxes of the $500,000 position at this point? Or would you just continue to hold it? So... 
And I, I would, I'm assuming that mentally you just had an answer that said, well, I'm just going to continue to hold it. I don't want to pay taxes on $500,000. Um, and so that's what Warren Buffett's point is that, you know, it doesn't provide that flexibility of being able to share, sell a few shares at a couple hundred bucks and get out. Um, instead, investors must stay in the position long term if they don't want to foresee half a million dollars worth of taxes. Speaking of that, they do have a cheaper version, the B shares. Um, I'm not quite sure at the moment what exactly the B shares are at. You know what? Let's go ahead and check on that price very quickly. We will go ahead and pull up the B share price. I think it's in the $300 range. Yes, $344 at close for the B shares. So clearly a lot cheaper, um, provides a ton more flexibility for people wanting to buy, sell, make options. Um, on single shares of Berkshire Hathaway. Obviously, one of the most valuable businesses in the world, the A shares are um, absolutely crazy, continues to grow. Mr. Buffett continues to become richer and continues to grow the wealth of his shareholders. Now, speaking to inflation here for just a minute, and I was talking earlier about this, so if you stuck around, here it is. Obviously, Tesla cannot do what these consumer businesses are doing, and that is ever so slightly, ever so slightly taking a little bit of product away from you. So the price of, let's say, your coffee, your toilet paper, your consumer goods is not necessarily going to be rising. What's happening is they're going to be taking a couple ounces of coffee away from you couple sheets of toilet paper away from you. Maybe shrinking the packaging that the product comes in instead. Maybe that little bit of air in those chip bags is going to be going away. Maybe they're going to be filling those chip bags a little bit less. So obviously, a lot of prices are going up. Companies that we talked about like Procter & Gamble that do have pricing power can raise those prices. But when you're not Procter & Gamble, when you're not some of the biggest businesses in the world, and you're seeing all-time 40-year, or not all-time, rather, 40-year inflation highs, you're going to be cutting costs, taking away, like they mentioned here, two ounces of coffee, 25 sheets of toilet paper, or maybe um, shrinking the size of a water bottle, which I don't even know if that can change. I'm pretty sure they're like 16.9 ounces, the 500 milliliters is like a literal god when it comes to the size of water bottles, but you know maybe shrinking that a little bit. Um, this gentleman here, Dworsky, noticed the shrinking in size of raisins, 2.5 ounces of raisins being taken away, and other certain brands trimming yogurt, body wash, soap, and cookies. So if you notice, or if you do go to the grocery store, now try to notice, see if your favorite company or business or brand is taking one Oreo out of the package or shrinking the size of the yogurt container, or maybe using less packaging or more efficient or you know cost-friendly packaging on their products. And if you find anything, comment that down below. It'd be very interesting to see what brands are actually doing this. And speaking of the inflation, Obviously, something at some point had to change. Someone had to do something. It looks like my screen has frozen on me. The Federal Reserve has approved the first interest rate hike in three years, and they said at each of the next six meetings, they will be raising the rates. So that 0.25% rate hike came. If we're going to see 7.25% 
1.5% rate hikes. That's 1.75%. Obviously, this will start to have a domino effect in the prices, or I'm sorry, in the interest rates of mortgages, loans at your bank, maybe rates on credit cards, and eventually probably rates on savings accounts as well. I'm going to keep everybody updated with in specific Ally Bank, one of my personal favorites, and then obviously SoFi as well. And maybe make a video about the changing interest rates. Should you or should you not be keeping money in these savings accounts now with higher interest rates or potentially people trying to lure in, you know, with those even higher interest rates? Um, We will see as time does go on. Um, Obviously, 1.75% being, you know, in the play or in the playing field by the end of 2022, potentially more after that as well. So this is going to be an ongoing situation. This is going to be an ongoing situation from both fronts, from the front of, well, can this help curb inflation? Can this keep the labor market strong, keep everything the way it's supposed to be, just tick down inflation, as well as, you know, keeping an eye on everything that's going on overseas and What effect does this have on mortgages, personal loans, credit cards, interest rates on banks or savings accounts? We are going to be talking about all of it here on This Week in Finance. So that's been everything. I know this week was not as exciting or eye-catching as some others, so if you made it all the way through the video, comment Evian. Just comment the word Evian. I'd be interested to see if you made it this far. I want to thank you for making it this far. This has been another week in finance, and I will see you all next week. Take care.